There's something I wanted to say, but I don't remember it right now. Because of that. Let's just stop it. This is Alyssa, and I'm here with my co-host and faux little bro, Andre. And welcome to another episode of Teachers Like Us. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about everything you didn't learn in teacher's college, but should have. For sure. A lot of people are are in teacher's college right now, especially since it's a uh, two-year program, and not learning the things that I think Alyssa and myself feel that you should be learning to deal with the craziness that happens once you step inside of the classroom or step inside an actual classroom. Mm -hmm, Because it's very different um, being in a teacher education program and sitting with people who oftentimes used to be educators but Mm -hmm. are no longer educators um, and are giving you what they're saying are the tools to succeed in the classroom. But then you step into a classroom and are like, oh my goodness, like this is nothing like what they said. Yeah, I know from when I was in teacher's college, a lot of the people that were in class with me, a lot of them were like had careers already and were starting another career and turned to teaching. And um, you can see that those are some of those people, not all of them, so I don't want to put them in a box, but some of those people were the ones that struggled once we started like our teaching practicum because dealing with a four-year-old or a seven-year-old or a 13-year-old in theory in the classroom is one thing but actually going into their school is completely different and see I would say the exact opposite um I would say it was the people who wanted to be teachers since they were little and had this whole idea of what teaching was and were the people that used to like line up their bears and and teach their (laughs) silent bears and be like and one plus one is two and the bears would just sit there silently those are are you listening my name is Mr. Mattress yeah those are the people that struggled the most because then they were like wait the people actually talk when you're talking when you're Mm. trying to teach and are doing a million different things and are running around and picking their noses and peeing their pants and (laughs) (laughs) swearing at you potentially and maybe throwing things at you like this is not like my bears so Mm -hmm. i feel like those people struggled more than the people who were coming in um who maybe this was their second career because they had a little bit of real world world experience maybe not um maybe not experience dealing with Uh, children per se but dealing with adults in the workforce so just dealing with people in general yeah okay so um what's one thing that you wish they taught you in teachers college that they didn't okay so if we go back to kind of basics one thing that i wish they hadn't told me um was to kind of strip my identity and i feel like that's where i was almost misled when I got into teaching. Like, I got into teaching because I knew there weren't teachers like us. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that education needed a different style of teaching. And so I wanted to bring myself into the classroom, but I was told by my teachers, like, when you go in, don't make friends with your students and don't call them guys. And this was before, like... um, you know, we weren't, when we were, we weren't using, um, like, 
binary terms. Like it wasn't about the word guys. It was about using a colloquial version. Um, so mm. even the, the fact that I say peeps in my classroom would not be um, okay by their standards. And then it was like, oh, make sure that the music that you're playing in your classroom is like, you know, like uh, classical music or <laughs> just something that has no identifying markers for who you are. Um, make sure that when you pull up to the school, like on a summer day and your windows, window is rolled down, that you're not playing Jay-Z in your car on the way to school. And I just felt like, hmm, like those are the things that make me who I am and that's why my students love me now. Like it's because they know who I am and I can relate to them. So I feel like I was misled. Yeah, for sure. I know for me in teacher's college, one of the first lessons I had from one of my, I can't remember what he taught. I think it was my language teacher. And he was like, first three months of school, kids should never see your smile. <laughs> and as soon as he said it, I raised my hand. And I was like, I don't know if you've met me before, but that's what I do. I laugh. <laughs> I smile. I tell jokes. It's how I survive the day. Now you're telling me I have to just keep my beautiful white teeth under oh, lock gosh. and key. <laughs> I have to keep that under lock and key for what reason? And it was really um, what he was really trying to say was like, that is the pretty much that's the only way that these kids are going to respect you mm -hmm. is you have to show that you are the strong authority that you're not going to let anything slide. And that once you've established that, then you can start um letting them go a little bit and not having such a strong hold on them as much and for me i did the exact opposite f while i was in teacher's college as well so when i was in my teaching practicum kids got to see me i didn't understand how i could not be myself at work it's that would be totally wrong and totally off for me and i would not enjoy it mm -hmm. like i never wanted to be that teacher that was unrelatable and you know again eventually i'm not going to be with it anymore <laughs> like i don't think that's for me i think i'll always be with it i am the pop i am pop culture so <laughs> i think I i'll don't stay know. with I, it for a while you know what and just looking at like my mom who is young mm. um and watching her kind of age i find it interesting because i see my mom kind of age out of pop culture she's still totally cool totally relevant my kids think she's the coolest person when people meet my mom they're like ah your mom so cool mm -hmm. but she's definitely aged out of pop culture so eventually i feel like i don't know if i'll age out of being cool necessarily but definitely my pop culture references will fade a bit like i'm not going to be listening to the same things my students are like even now i find that some of the stuff they listen to i'm like mm, okay i never find that because i always find that they're listening to things that maybe they shouldn't be listening to and that's what or quote unquote shouldn't be listening to and that's what i'm listening to yeah but i'm so not we, a mumble rapper fan and they love them some mumble rappers i'm not hey, here hey, for it hey hey some of it sounds good mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm just not here for it but yeah again with the music thing that you're saying like i don't i could never understand how you could not be yourself like if i can monday to friday after 3 p.m um, have whatever tracks playing in my car, windows down, enjoying myself. When I'm going to school, I should be able to be that same person because it's hard to, once you're a teacher, it's hard to separate the separate being a teacher and being yourself. These kids are going to catch you at Walmart. They're going <laughs> to see you in the mall. You can't automatically just switch up who you are for the sake of professionalism. You can still be professional and yep. be yourself. 
Why did that end so weird? I don't know. I don't. You wiped the table. Oh, I got distracted. There's like, <laughs> there's like eraser shaving on the table, so I wiped it away. You just went away. silent. I was like, ah, no, no it's finished. Ah, wipe it. <laughs> <laughs> so I put the question out to, um, you know, our peeps to see what some of them were saying about things that they wish they had learned in teachers' college but didn't. So. Uh, one person said that using technology in the classroom, such as Gradebook, Markbook, and other platforms, um, so that way they could expand their method of teaching and assessment. And I thought that was so bang on and something I didn't think about. Like, mm -hmm. I don't ever remember using technology in teachers' college to, you know, do assessment. They pretty much said, get sticky notes and yeah. a, a, a book, a notepad, and make your anecdotals in there. And, and then make sure you have a class list that class, you print it out. Yeah, an attendance list for your mark books and make sure they're dated. Yeah, I don't know if that's... It's 2020. I don't know if that's what's happening in their programs now, but I know mm -hmm. for me, same thing. You didn't learn... There was no technology that you could be using other than like traditional Google Slides, Prezi, stuff like that. There wasn't actually... Um, any teacher pointing you in any direction to say like this is a good tool that you should use especially for assessment it, assessment was you have to again make notes you have to make sure you have your class list you're in charge of making sure you kept that stack of paper for the year or for a couple years after just in case anybody asks you any questions about marks yeah. um they also said the truth about the teaching market so they said when when they were graduating, the faculty told them, don't panic, and they will get jobs right away. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Um, Maybe in, like, you know, 1980s or early 2000s. This is a recent graduate. Like, Ooh. I, yeah. And not, like, recent, but, like, fairly recent, probably within our time of graduation. Okay. But was told, like, yeah, don't worry. You'll get a job right away. And I think you have to very much be prepared to be on a supply list, be an LTO, work your way in. I would say not even, you might not even get on the supply list for the first year after teacher's college because that's how it was for me. Yeah, I graduated 2013, June, and didn't get on my first uh, supply list until October 2014. Wow. So, again, I think you do have to be realistic and, and assess why you're going into teaching and... Um, what you are willing to either sacrifice or wait for in terms of getting a career because this is not your grandmother's teaching market. Mm -hmm. Like we are in a, in a totally new era and after you've spent two years getting a master of teaching um, to basically be shut out of the, the market is going to be a really tough thing for you. So now is the perfect time um, to kind of reassess is this something i really want to do why do i want to do it what kind of impact am i hoping to make this is when i go back to like teachers who have this very clear vision of what they think teaching is where you are just filling their bucket and you're giving them all this information um, versus those who are in the profession to kind of open minds and grow mm -hmm. um student like learning skills and all of those things like this is the time to reassess because if you're just here to fill someone's bucket with all of your knowledge, um, you might be in the wrong career. I think the only positive side, I guess, with the whole teaching, teacher hiring is that now that Teachers College, or at least in our region, Teachers College is now a two-year program. So it kind of creates that gap of 
um, you not having so much competition when it's your time to graduate and your time to start looking for a job. Um, I have a friend who just graduated teacher's college uh, last year, I believe, and he's already um, working, getting LTOs and things of that nature. And it was really, really quick for him. But he's in a smaller board as well, smaller than the one we are in. But it, it was a faster turnaround just because he had he was in school for two years and he didn't have all that competition like when I graduated, when I had, um, when it was still a one-year program, so you had like 13,000 people all going for the same positions. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if uh, teachers going abroad is still a big thing. Because when I was in teacher's college, a lot of people were going to Australia and the mm-hmm. States. That uh, was me. I had a, I literally had a job lined up. I was supposed to go to England. Had my had my interview, had my online interview, had my Skype interview already, and they were like, "Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you." August, I think I was supposed to go down there like August twenty fifth or something like that, and um, I'd gotten the job and I talked to Angela, who wasn't my wife at the time. We got married in July of twenty thirteen, so she wasn't my wife yet. And I was like, "Hey, got the job? Are you gonna come to England with me?" And she's like, "Nah, I'm not leaving, <laughs> not leaving my family." And I was like, oh, "Okay." So I knew that was a thing that still happened. I'd had a lot of friends that. I uh, went to China, went to uh, Korea to go teach and things like that. So I, I'm pretty sure it still is a big thing. Yeah, I was talking more um, with education programs because it was super difficult to get into uh, Bachelor of Education programs in Ontario at the time mm-hmm. when I was oh, okay, applying okay. that people were going to do their Bachelor of Education, like I said, in Australia or in um, the states so okay. that way they would get the qualifications they need but they didn't have to fight um, with this education market in terms of getting in getting their degree okay, cool. so I wonder if that was it like if that's still a thing if it's you know because that also crowds the market mm-hmm. um, one thing for me and it's a little bit funny is that when I was in teachers college they didn't teach you like how dangerous being in the classroom is as far as altercations i've seen and had to break up so many fights and dodge things being thrown at me or helping kids so that they aren't being killed by other kids that are in their classes Mm -hmm. that's something that teachers college doesn't teach you at all no and i would say to that point as well if we're going along um with like classroom violence it doesn't really teach you how to handle um students with mental health Mm -hmm. uh you know issues and it doesn't really give you equip you with the the tools to to deal with this kind of modern society that we're living in where we recognize that mental health um is really important but we don't have any supports in place really in the classroom per se like in order for a teacher to assist a child who is experiencing um, mental illness or anything related to that, you have to call in additional support. For sure. Um, So I feel like we could use more training in all of those types of things to to help foster a better classroom environment. I left you stumped? No. (laughs) What you're saying makes sense. I don't even have anything to add. We really need to... They need to teach us once we're in teachers college like hey 
don't think that again the teddy bears don't line up in a row and no. just listen when you talk these guys will be like oh i don't like language today everybody's getting rulers in their head like this <laughs> <laughs> and then you have if you are in a grade one classroom prepare for the line leader because a line leader is a thing these kids will fight to the death mm-hmm. to be the line leader mm-hmm. grade one grade seven kids are like <laughs> i was in line first <laughs> yeah, it's true <laughs> like they don't that's what your practicums are for. And so I really say to those of you who are in a teacher education program right now or considering it, um, that you really need to be proactive with your practicums mm-hmm. and be vocal in that you want as much experience as they are your, uh, what is it, what are they called? Your teacher. Teacher associate? Is that yeah, your associate teacher yeah. is willing to provide you. Um, but that also doesn't mean leaving you to scramble because there's been instances of associate teachers literally putting their um, their teacher trainees in the classroom and saying, ha, go to it. And there's no kind of guidance put in place. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really do need to utilize those practicum times and, you know, figure out your way around the classroom because a lot of the learning does occur on the job. For sure. And I, also in your teaching practicum, practicum, take time to come out of the classroom. Go walk the halls. Mm, like a lot a of point. when you're in teachers college, you get confined to this classroom with this teacher, with those 25 kids. Mm-hmm. Go walk the halls. You're in you're a teacher in the school. The, there's other kids that need to see your face or need to get to know you other than those 25 that you are teaching. And that's something that I've done since teachers college like everybody needs to know who I am or at least see me so that I'm building relationships outside of the classroom and get involved yeah for sure i I remember even my first teaching practicum we're only there like three weeks or something like that or once or twice a week for three or four weeks and i was still volleyball coach i was still a part of um their little yearbook thing that they had going on because i wanted other kids to see the things that i'm interested in or the things that i like outside of math and language and stuff like that Mm -hmm, absolutely um, a question that I had for you, Andre, is when you were in your teacher education program, how much kind of equity and inclusive education and diversity training, all of that stuff did you receive? Zero. Isn't that unfortunate? And when I went, I'm coming from the University of Windsor and through our... <laughs> she I made a face. <laughs> In our um, teaching program, there was an extra program that you could take that you had to sign up for, but I didn't know about it. I found out about it late, so I wasn't able to sign up for it. But it was <clears throat> it was an equity program where um, your teaching practicum was different than everybody else's. So you didn't just go to random schools. You went to inner city schools. Yeah. Right? Um, and you had, like, one extra course that you had to take that had to deal with, like, how do we deal with minorities? How do we deal with these um, children that are facing different challenges? What And you got to do other things. Like you got to go into the community and um, do fundraisers and things like that. And funny enough, even though I didn't get to do any of that, the um, prof that ran that program still knew who I was. And he used to take time out and, like, have conversations with me, check in, check in with me to see how I'm doing. Because um, the schools that I was being sent to were some far-out rural schools where there were a lot of diversity in, in those school buildings. So he used to just check on me just to see how I was doing, how I was, how I was coping in those um, different environments. That's good. Um, I uh, always had the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it was called inner city. And the funny thing is, we actually don't use inner city anymore either to uh, describe those areas. Those are called um, high social risk index uh, schools, so high SRI. And that just means that um, they may be facing things like poverty. They are facing mm -hmm. things like... Um, you know, maybe they're new. Im that's an area that's concentrated with new immigrants. Okay. Um, okay. It's just a bunch of different factors that play into why an area might be called um, a high social risk index area. Um, and yeah, it was one program out of all the programs, mm -hmm. which I found interesting. And um, I think I had one course that touched on it. Um, and I'm trying to look. Funny enough, because I'm applying for uh, another program right now, I have my transcript in front of me. Um, so I had one called Arts in Urban Schools. Ooh, what but was it was that? just, it literally was art <laughs> class. Oh, okay. So I don't know what the urban schools was about. Weird. Um, and then School and Society. I think that was the one that touched on diversity, but. Nowhere near kind of the social justice focus that I have now. And I remember in class talking to my class, like the, one of the episodes, the Don't Touch My Hair episode that mm -hmm. we talked about. And I talked about, you know, little black girls maybe not wanting to go outside when it's raining after they get their hair done. Um, I had that discussion with people in my class. So I felt like if I hadn't been there, who would have had that discussion? Like my profs, I'll wait. Mm -hmm. So how do you teach about diversity when there's a lack of diversity in your teaching staff? Yeah, it's a, it would be really hard to do. And that's probably something else that Teachers College doesn't really show you is that you are now going to be in a very diverse setting and you have to you have a job or you have the challenge of making sure that all voices are represented inside your school building or inside your classroom, that no matter how many kids you have, that all of them can actually feel appreciated and see themselves in what's going on in the classroom accurate and or you could be like andre in his you know rural area where mm -hmm. there is a lack of diversity but you still have that same obligation to those students for sure to show them that other people exist in the world other people have power other people are important um and that you know, even though they are seeing a lack of diversity in their classroom, that it exists in the world and they need to um, be cognizant of that. Another comment that we got from one of our peers was that um, what she didn't learn in teachers college was the idea that you don't have to mark everything. <laughs> oh, that is so real. For sure. There's been uh, plenty of assignment where I was just like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> students have to understand, just like we have to understand that sometimes you are doing it for the good of the learning, mm -hmm. right? Like assessment as learning is that what? Oh gosh, I gotta go back to all that stuff. I don't even know which one's which anymore. Not gonna lie to you. Sorry, whatevs. But it's the idea that you are doing something to gain the skills. Yeah, assessment as learning. You got it right. Oh, look at me. But yeah, like you don't need to mark everything that comes past because you're going to give your students a lot of things that they're doing. You're going to give them journals. Mm -hmm. um, Andre just did a really awesome assignment. Yeah, if you go to my um, Instagram page, it's at I am Andre dot M. I, I am A N D R E dot M. Um, I'm reading through this book that my mentor actually got me. She's a wonderful person. Her name is Alyssa. Alisa. <laughs> <laughs> um, she got me this book called This Book is Anti-Racist. And it's essentially, um, I'm going through the book. It provides you with a whole bunch of lessons that you could teach your class 
to essentially tell them that we need to not be racist towards each other and the best way to do that is to understand ourselves and find similarities between ourselves and the people that are around us especially the people that are of different races or the people that are just like us that don't fit into that dominant culture box and what a profound lesson that he's teaching his students without saying like you were doing this for a mark because mm -hmm. it's more than a mark yeah all of the journal entries i've done with them i've literally read them and given them back yeah no like, marks and what like that's something students need to recognize as well i don't want you to learn about racism for the four plus exactly. i want you to learn about racism so you're not freaking racist. racist exactly like um so again andre's doing amazing things in his classroom and i yes, try i try i am his mentor but really i just gave him the book he <laughs> did it all on his own so i think that's the true sign of like you know, a real, a good educator, someone mm -hmm. who has really uh, taken information that he didn't get in teacher's college. Like I, and, and I didn't even teach him that. I gave him the book and I said, hey, like, I think this is an awesome read for you. And then mm -hmm. he took it and ran with it. So and that I, didn't come I from feel a classroom. Like I, have, I was going to say, I feel you're going to find that a lot, especially as you start bringing yourself into the classroom. There's going to be things that you don't have to mark. Like um, I distinctly remember a couple of years ago around, um, March Madness. We did like March Madness bracket and it was in math class. So they had to calculate like wins and losses. It's it really bad. And they're like almost betting and being illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it was, <laughs> it, it was just really, there's something that they got into because we got to spend part of the time that they were with me in their math periods for those 80 minutes, got to watch basketball. So the kids that were there, they're locked into it. And then um, I don't have to mark everything. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and then the final thing um, is that you don't have to know everything. That's the biggest one. I think it is the biggest one because, again, when we go back to those teddy bear people, you were the one that was giving your teddy bears everything they mm -hmm. needed. Um, you were the all-knowing, and they just sat and absorbed what you were saying. But, like, you will find when you get into a classroom uh, not only do you not know everything, you know actually nothing. <laughs> because just like having kids, they will ask you um, questions that you never even fathomed in your wildest dreams. Because mm -hmm. if you think about a class of 25 students, that's 25 different upbringings, 25 different sets of experiences and education and background and religion and culture and all of those things. And they're going to ask you a question. You're going to be like, I haven't the foggiest. Yeah. Truthfully, I don't even know what word you just said to me. Exactly. So you find I find it all the time where I've mentioned it on the podcast before where I'll just say, I don't know. Let's go figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> what have you asked me? I don't know. I don't speak Swahili. Sorry. It's true. <laughs> Let's go figure this out. And so I think you have to be okay with knowing that you're not going to know everything. Mm -hmm. Teachers College needs to tell you, yo, buddy, you know nothing. Like if I was a prof in Teachers College, which cross fingers I will be someday, I'm gonna say that to my students when they walk into the class and be like, look. You think you're an expert in this area because you studied history for four years? You know nothing. Exactly. You know nothing because some kid's going to ask you, oh, what did John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt <laughs> say to Bob the Builder? And you're going to be like, I'm sorry, who? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who's that? <laughs> what? You're going to be like, I'm not sure because I don't have a transcript of their conversation. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to go dig and find things and you have to be okay with that. Hey, and uh, that's the bell. So we're going to wrap up today's episode. Hopefully you learned something new today. Um, if you're looking to um, see our other episodes, you can follow us 
on Instagram at Teachers Like Us. We are available everywhere where podcasts are available. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, don't forget to rate us and leave us a comment. Uh, let us know how yes. much you love the podcast. Five stars and all of that, please and thank you. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. See ya, peace. Swag it like us. Swag it, swag it like us.